Podcast. A Magical Myth Entertainment Production. Hosted by Miss Nikki Kirby. Co-hosted by Saul Ravencraft. Sponsored by Ever Moving Lee Rise and Moonlight Potions and Charms. Executive Producer Nikki Kirby. And welcome to another episode of Witch Hack Chats. Come on in and sit for a spell. We're sponsored by Ever Moving We Rise, Moonlight Posters and Charms, and Soul Raven Craft Wizard for Hire. I am your goddess host, Miss Nikki Kirby, and we have our wonderful co-host. He is a chaos magician that goes around and he causes chaos wherever he goes. His name is Saul Ravencraft. How are you doing, Saul? I'm doing fantastic, Nikki. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much. Ah, so you are in bright red today. Oh my gosh. Oh, Working, oh, working that, that red, uh, that red color, and all that it, all that it connects with. So passionate today. So passionate today. I try to oh. be passionate every day. I bet you do. I it's, bet uh, you do, don't you? Sometimes, sometimes passion is all I've got, <laughs> and it. Uh, <laughs> Keeps me, keeps me moving somehow. So you want to know what our divination is for today? Absolutely. All right. So our divination is for today comes from Violet Chachowski. There we go. Chachowski. There we go. That word. I can't pronounce her last name. It's, It's Russian. There we go. It's a Russian name. I think so. Anyway, she says, and I quote, Glamour has the potential to be very powerful in that way without saying anything. Woo! So, in the wise words of Mr. Saul Ravencraft, what does that mean? Well, which kind of glamour are we talking about? Are we talking about... Uh, that allure and that beauty that, that Hollywood shows us? Are we talking about the illusion that the Fae create for us? What kind of glamour do we mean? We have glamour everywhere. Glamour is all around us. And that's the one thing about having magic every single day. We have glamour everywhere when it comes to things. Um People show us glamours all the time, and we have the ability to be able to see through them. We also have the ability to cast them. And people who claim they don't use magic or claim they don't have magic or claim that there's no such thing as magic, they use glamours as well. They just don't understand it, and they just don't know that they're doing it. Idiots. (laughs) Is it a deception? <laughs> can be. 
It can be used for good things. It can be used for bad things. Just depends on your intention. Right, Sal? Well, I mean, from my perspective, intention is the foundation of anything you do magically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's surprising you how know, many people don't have an intention. Oh, everybody has an intention. We've already made our decision. The thing about it is it's just like a people of logic. All decisions are made with emotion. We just back it up with with logic. And they'll argue with you. But you've already made the decision. The thing about it is you've made it with emotion. You're just backing it up with logic. Mm. And most people don't understand that. Read any book that tells you how to sell something. And every single book that tells you how to sell something will tell you the same thing. And it's basic psychology. They will tell you that you have already made the decision. You've made it on an emotional level. You're just backing it up with logic. That's the only way you're doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like you've already decided to buy that car. Now you've got to back that up with logic. So that way, when Saul decides that he's already decided to buy that car, that way his wife is not going to kill him. <laughs> So he can explain it to his wife why he decided to buy that car. Indeed. <laughs> the thing, but in today's society, we have been shown so much glamour. A lot of people can't tell the difference between what, between the illusion and reality. Because they don't, number one, they don't do the research. And number two... I don't think they really want to know the difference between the two. I think a lot of people just rather go with the fantasy. Right. What do you think about that, Saul? Well, I I don't really have any argument there. Uh, I I like fantasy. To me, fantasy is about imagination. It's about seeing things the way that they can be. And not just as they are. And I think that is important if you're going to work your will on things. Um, you, you have to be able to create new Legos. Uh, and to me, that's the most exciting thing about working with magic. Uh, but uh, I know that, that other people have, uh, have other approaches. You know, I do agree. I think that we do need to use our imaginations to create magic and so forth. And I think that we need fantasy, that we can be able to involve ourselves in fantasy up to a certain point. But, you know, and we need to be able to cast our glamours. Like, for example, when it comes to danger. And for protection, yes, we do be, need to be able to um, cast those glamours so we can be able to protect ourselves and not allow whoever's going to harm us to find us. That I do agree with. Um, at certain times, I think glamours are worth it to be able to do that um, and to divert from you i think glamours 
have their way, uh, have their role in society when it comes to that. All magic has their role in society, and I think we can be able to use it. But there's, but there's sometimes I think we also should be able to determine the difference between what's a good glamour and what's a bad glamour. My dog wants to come up here and join us right now, my Daisy dog. Everybody say hello to Daisy. Yes, there's Daisy. <laughs> yes. See, there's Daisy. And what's your opinion on glamours? Oh, okay. You just went level. Okay. <laughs> Daisy doesn't have an opinion on glamours, so okay. Well, there you go. So when when it comes to casting glamours, Saul, what do you do? Well, I don't I don't know that I have a I don't know that I, I exactly cast a glamour. Uh, I don't have a, a situation where I want to uh, put on a mask necessarily. Um, but uh, you know, I do try to project what it is that, that I, I want in the universe. I do try and put my will out there. So I guess that's a sort of a glamour. I, I put my, my glamour out through through what I do every day and how I present myself. And um, and people keep trying to knock me back into place. So uh, I, I guess I don't do it as well as Marilyn Monroe did. Well, I mean, when you go on stage, there's a certain way that you per project yourself. Well, and, and just everything that I do, what you see here uh, is all is all part of projecting the. Uh, the version of myself that I want to be and that I want people to to relate to. Um, and uh, so that's that's the way that I handle that is by uh, having some control over what I put out there. I do my damnedest not to put up whiny Facebook posts uh, about how lonely and sad I feel that day. Uh, I see people that do that. I see people that seem to only do that. Uh, and it's it's really hard. Uh, every once in a while, I've, I've had weak moments and I've expressed myself in that way. And you know, a lot of the people I know, they put that out and people go, oh, honey, no, we love you. Oh, you're so awesome. Oh, we'll bring you pie. And And every time I try to do something like that, uh, I basically get suck it up, Buttercup, and <laughs> so apparently I do naturally project uh, a strength, which is good. Um, but uh, but it also means that that I don't necessarily share everything that's going on in my world uh, because uh, not not everyone not everyone wants to connect with those things. And that's part of being someone who is more public. And you, you have to control that. I think where people get in the most trouble right now, uh, I look at, at movie stars and TV stars and, and other famous people, and they get asked a question about something going on in society. And because they're famous, 
And because this person is leaning forward uh, for their answer, uh, they've decided that their answer matters. <laughs> even though it's not their area of expertise, even though it's not what people are looking for from them. And, and they, they give their thoughts. And then their world catches on fire. Because in truth, I tell you, the best example of that I ever saw was Peter O'Toole, movie star um, who, who has, has passed. Uh, and uh, he was on, I think it was David Letterman. And there was some weird political thing going on at the time. I mean, weird for the time. It doesn't hold a candle to, to the stuff we got going on today. Uh, but at the time, there was a scandal and people were talking about it. And Letterman asked uh, O'Toole what he thought about that. And O'Toole's answer, I thought, was genius. It's, it's what everybody should give when people are trying to lure you in to something. He said, well, I do have an opinion, uh, but that's not really why I'm here. Uh, these people want to hear me tell stories about my movie career and the film that I'm doing. If you and I were sitting at the pub over a beverage, we could have that conversation. But that's that's not what we're doing here. And he just set that question aside. It was really classy. I have no idea what his opinion was. And that's exactly as it should be. And uh, I, I remember that when, when I tried... I try to be fairly neutral and when people are are trying to to get me to help them poke the bear uh or or open things up beyond what we're trying to do I, I think about Peter O'Toole's answer and just go eh, yeah that's that's not really my place to to say uh and uh man if more famous people like I'm a famous person but I mean if more of the famous people did that uh there would be a whole we might spend more talk more time talking about solving problems than uh than outrage yeah the the thing about it is i mean we can always talk about outrage but nobody actually wants to talk about solving a problem <laughs> that that's, that's our problem you know like that saying everybody wants to talk about the weather but no one wants to do anything about it <laughs> It, it's is the one thing I was I was told as a kid, and I remember one of my mentors told me. They say that if you have a problem, don't come to me until you have a solution to that problem. Because you can have a problem all day long. We always have problems. Everybody has problems. The whole world has problems. The world is full of problems, but the world is not full of solutions. And you have to have a solution in order to resolve a problem. Yeah. Plus, he's going to teach me how to be a um, critical thinker as well. Sure. And that's something that they don't teach you anymore. They don't want to teach you anymore. It's critical thinking. And it just pisses me off when they don't teach that now. No, they want to teach you how to be a follower. Stop that crap. Don't be a follower. Start asking questions and start 
thinking for yourself. We're not here to follow the, the damn crowd. Yeah. Start thinking for yourself. Indeed. We're magical people. That's the reason why we think for ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it is time for us to take a little break and get some words of wisdom from our sponsors, stuff you need to know, stuff to get you going, stuff to help you get your own glamour out there for a good cause. We'll be right back with our guest after these messages. Anybody can tell you what is on a tarot or oracle card. What matters is seeing beyond what others may not be able to see and help the client to uncover what lies in the mist. What do readings from Moonlight Potions and Charms do? Wednesday, I did this ancestor reading and it was an amazing reading. And it was a detailed reading. And I remember talking to this customer's ancestors and it was so delightful and he wanted some questions to be answered about the magic in his family because he didn't know and his family was mostly like most of our families are you know how everything is like hush hush when it comes to the magic in his family and he wanted to know who can he actually talk to about the history of the magic in his family and I was able to give him specifically who he can go to to talk to about that what particular deity he can actually go to to be able to help him with this and it was just an amazing reading and, and talking to his ancestors they were such a delight and they told me so much about this customer it was just an absolutely wonderful wonderful reading for him and I was just so happy to be able to give him this wonderful reading. It's really amazing to be able to give people these readings, these products that's really gonna help them and be able to give back to the community because this is what Moonlight Posters and Charms is about. We want to help you to embrace the power of your own magic. That is what we are all about, is to help you to do that. Book now and allow our wonderful staff to take care of your spiritual reading needs. And there is so much more in our Wicked store to help you to embrace the power of your own magic. So come on in to Moonlight Potions and Charms at www.moonlightpotionscharms.com and discover the wicked things that ignite the magical passion in you. I'm Saul Ravencraft, co-host of Witch Hat Chats. I understand just how confusing and chaotic it can be to open to a path of magic and manifestation. Everything seems to turn on its head. I want to be an ally as you find the way upon your path. My studio setup will let us do readings, coaching, and exploration virtually, just as though you were sitting across the table from me. One size does not fit all, and we will work together to craft the right approaches to build your practice 
your confidence, and your power using the tools of divination, magical works, and spirit connections. It's never too late to embrace a new path and emerge empowered. Go to TexasMojoMan.com and select Contact to begin. There's a message now. Let's get started working on your very good fortune. Have you wondered what spirituality is? Spirituality is limitless, as it does not contain any boundaries on beliefs or practices. Spirituality's most important component is personal experience and allows one to explore it freely. Every Moving We Rise is a spiritual moving tradition, as our name is our lifestyle, because we are persistently rising and moving forward. We realize that everyone's spiritual journey is extremely personal, but more easily traveled with reinforcement. We'll teach you to become friends with your shadow, emerge your authentic self, and give you time and space to develop your own spirituality. And when situations bump back, you'll have the entire community behind you as we are a magical family who work to sustain each other. Discover the benefits of working within a society dedicated to helping you grow on your personal path. Visit us on our website, Linktree, or Facebook page and discover why we don't fit in the box. Welcome back to Witch Hat Chats. It is me, Saul Ravencraft, and I am here with Miss Nikki Kirby, but we are not alone. We are never alone. Yes, you're never alone. <laughs> never alone. <laughs> and we don't want to freak you out. <laughs> so you want to introduce our we want to introduce our guest host. So, honors. all right. So, fluent in English, French, and Spanish. My God, is there another language this guy can speak? This guest host worked in, as a cultural liaison for the, the French government throughout South America. A graduate at the University of California, Santa Barbara. He served as the external relations director for the American Red Cross of Nevada. LGBT plus programs director for the entertainment productions in Los Angeles and a licensed mortuary professional. The award winning Latino X author of multicultural magic and mysticism books like warrior magic and morbid magic we are proud to introduce thomas prower hello it's good to be here it's good to be here it's great to have you here how you been i've been very busy if you can see from my face i'm very sunburned so i'm like super pink from uh, working outside, a uh, lot of cemetery days outside, the hot sun in the desert. So you like to spend your days in the cemetery? It's uh. my job. It's my job. I have to. Um, I, here in the Coachella Valley, Palm Springs, you know, Indio, Coachella, 
Um, I'm the funeral director for the Coachella Valley, so I have to attend many, many cemetery visits of internments, uh, many funerals, many things behind the stage. And it is it is 100 plus degrees outside today. There is not a cloud in the sky. And I had to be out there being very professional, which means no hat. So it took its toll, but the family will remember it. Don't you know what sunscreen is, honey? I do, I do, but I'm also super, super white. <laughs> so if I have too much on, I'll be like just this cream face, and then that's going to scare people at the cemetery. So you know, it's a little take one for the team. <laughs> oh, so what got you into the mortuary business? I'm just kind of curious. Oh no, it was it was completely accidental. I we, I needed a job. Two thousand round, yeah, the Great Recession hit, and I had a lot of student loans to pay off. And I needed a job fast, but no place was really hiring. And I was so fresh out of college that I had theoretical knowledge, but I also like, have you done the position for 20 years? No. Okay, so we're not gonna hire you for this entry level position. So what was I to do? And the funeral industry was always hiring because they they always have business. And I lived right next door to a mortuary atop of its own cemetery. And I said, look, I am young. I can do things. I do this. I can never, ever be late because I'm right across the street. So please hire me. And they did, thank God. And then I learned it from the inside that way. But it was desperation and need. And you just got to where you enjoyed it? Kind of. I mean, I always found it a little fascinating. I mean, I was I was that kid that loved watching the Adams Family and Beetlejuice and the Tim Burton stuff. So it was like when I told family and friends, oh, I'm working at a funeral industry. It wasn't like, what? It was like, oh, OK, Tomas, that makes sense. Yes, of course you would. OK, that checks out. <laughs> um, and even a fun story, too. I was working with, you know, needing a job i was i did a prayer to la santa muerte who's my girl and she i said look i need a job i need something and then you of course you know death the grim reaper i ask her for a job what does she do what does she do she gives me a job in the death industry i was like it just it just all made sense when you look back it's like ah of course of course i love you mentioning uh santa muerte uh I think that uh, that that area of spirituality is something that is profoundly misunderstood by so many people. Um, the entertainment industry, TV, and movies have have taught us that Santa Muerta is the is you know the 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 drug lord god, right? Uh, and and it's all it's all kind of sick and twisted, and. I, I had some wonderful conversations with people about the nature of Santa Muerta and, and how it embraces our natural path. Uh, how would you explain the connection of Santa Muerta to people that were willing to think about it in a new way? I think the easiest way to explain it is to have a it's a d because death doesn't judge and you have this deity who's not the saint of death not the saint of the underworld but a personification of death itself the the energy of death and you know like i said death doesn't judge so when you're reaching out to this divinity 
it's a complete sense of non-judgment because a lot of times, uh, you know, different pantheons, you have deities, they have flaws, they have foibles, and it's it's a give and take relationship. When you have to gain favor, you develop a relationship. But La Santa Muerte doesn't judge you. You can pray for something very bad, and she will not judge you for it. You could be a bad person, however you define bad to be, and she will not judge you for it. And that's what gets a lot of people her way, because you have the extremes, as you know, the television shows show, um, cartels. Uh, people are praying to Santa Muerte that, you know, that bullet they're loading into their chamber hits the cop's heart. They're praying that that good shipment of drugs is going to go across the border. Because if they pray to God, is God going to help them murder someone? Is God going to help them push drugs? No, but death will because death doesn't judge. Likewise, for all the outcasts, you're told you're wrong, you're evil, you're bad just for being who you are, just for liking things. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of a lot of people in the queer community. There's a lot of uh, self-empowered women who are ostracized, especially in Latino culture. So you have this deity who's not going to judge you. And it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, if anyone's familiar with like the punk community or the goth community of like very hardcore people, it's it's very kind of scary and like standoffish on the outside. Like, oh, what is it? It's dark. It's evil. They're rough. But those are some of the nicest communities because like we're all weirdos here. We're all outcasts. We're all kind of misfits in some way. Let's, you know, let's rock together. It's that same kind of vibe, but in a more spiritual sense. All right. Now there are different shades of of Santa Muerte. If you if you go someplace that that has statues and candles and things like that, uh, you had the black shrouded figure. But I've seen also various other colors applied. Uh, I don't know exactly why. I haven't been able to have that conversation yet. And I always feel like such a dork. But like, hey, can I talk to you about this? <laughs> <laughs> when, when I just barely belong in there to begin with. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm interested in, in what, what do the different colors mean when you see the, the different kinds of statues? Or, or do they mean anything? Is that just aesthetics? They, they usually mean something specific. And it's, it's tricky. I'll give you my answer, but it is a bit of a controversial topic because like everything in the Santa Muerte, you know, um, veneration, it's not an organized religion. So it will vary depending on whom you ask and whom you talk to. So there's one camp that believes Santa Muerte only has three colors, black, red and white. And through those colors, you can do all the magic, kind of like the three primary colors in painting or in light. You can create everything with those. Some people believe, well, death is beyond color. Death isn't a color. Even Santa Muerte is just our personification of it. So we're not bound by any colors. But in general, seven's kind of the, the medium ground. But the biggest ones are red, which is usually aligns with love, passion. You see a red Santa Muerte statue, someone's doing a love spell. Someone's wanting something erotic to happen. Uh, if you see black, that's usually defense or hexing. Uh, white is a general all, catch-all. Green is justice, because um, we all know that's, that is the color of justice nowadays. But green is justice. Um, gold is for wealth, uh, abundance, like the, the wheat and coins. Uh, purple is usually used for healing. Uh, blue is for the mind and academic affairs. 
And brown is usually sometimes associated with reaching out to the other side. So ancestors, um, communication with the underworld. And those are usually the biggest ones. There's people get like really specific, like off shade bone white is this specific thing or fluorescent beige is this. But in general, like there's around seven, but three if you're a hardcore orthodoxist. And one of the aspects of Santa Muerta that, that was explained to me is is that it is about the transition of death, about getting you to where you're supposed to be. But there's also an aspect that Santa Muerta makes sure that you get where you're supposed to be, that, that you, 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 your journey gets you to the point, to the appointed time, so to speak. And so there's an aspect of protection in there as well as the doorway of death. Uh, I may have misunderstood what they were saying, but uh, that was an interesting perspective on that that I had not heard before. That is interesting. I've never heard it before, um, but I, I can see how people think that because a lot of times um, the real hardcore people who are involved with Santa Muerte, it's usually in the Latino community and they're usually from a Catholic background. And so a lot of times, if you look into the rituals of La Santa Muerte, it's it's Catholic based. It's Catholic with like a black veneer over it. It's the cult of Our Lady of Guadalupe, but with a Grim Reaper. It's the exact same thing. And a lot of people, when you're so entrenched in that religion and so entrenched in a culture that is all encompassing, especially in Mexico, uh, and, you know, Latinos across the border, too. You can't have you kind of that's the way your worldview is. And so everything's shaded by that. And so you create a, this Santa Muerte and you see her as a protectress, someone who loves me, my godmother, someone who's going to care for me and be there for me, because especially if you're maligned or you're one of the outsiders of society, it's very comforting to have someone, this badass woman who is very strong, who's going to protect you, likes you for who you are, is not going to judge you and got your back. It's very comforting. So a lot of people like to see her like that. And I personally don't agree with where, you know, there's a pointed path and where you go, but it does help people get on and keep on carrying on with life, knowing because if you if you think you can't do something, you've already defeated yourself. And for a lot of people who are defeated and put down by society, by their family, by friends and themselves in their own mind, it's nice to know, well, you know what? None of that matters because she's on my side. And it helps get them through. And even when just waking up each day is getting through in a little victory in and of itself. So Santa Muerte is all things to all people because it's so not organized and it's so loose and it's whatever. How how do you relate with death? Is it comforting? Does it make you see life in another way because everything is short and fleeting? Is it more powerful? Like what can beat death? So it's it's fascinating to see all these different perspectives and way people work with La Santa Muerte. And there's none, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just if it's wrong for you and there's nothing right with it. But is it right for you and does it work for you? You know, you have another book called Morbid Magic. So, so what is all in that book? Because I was kind of interested in that book. Ooh, I love that book. That was like book three. And like, because Santa Muerte was book one, where it's like, ooh, I need to publish this and get out. Book three is like when the, <laughs> book three is around when the publishing company's like, okay, you can sell. We're going to give you more leeway to like less editing and be yourself. So it's a lot more me <laughs> talking. It's a lot more, it's like this. It's a lot more side asides and different things. So I love it for that. But Morbid Magic is, it's it's the Santa Muerte book. It's 
all around the world, what do people think is on the other side? How do they live their lives according to it? What are their deities of death? What are the ghosts? What are the spirits? Do they relate to it? Are they scared of it? How do they partner with it? What's the magic they use to connect with the other side? What is the morality of being good? Is there a heaven? How do you be, how does a culture control itself if there is no belief of good or bad? If there's no eternal punishment or reward, why be good? And it's an interesting around the world look throughout history of just seeing how people will see what's on the other side and explain the unexplainable of death and the afterlife. Yeah, because I was really interested in that because it, it seems like death and I have always had this conversation. Mm. And it's always been the death of deities that have always come to me. <laughs> I mean, after all, I, I'm a Scorpio, for God's sakes. I mean. <laughs> that says it. That says it right there. Okay. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, let me read this. And and, and it just seemed like it was really interesting to be able to know about other cultures, because I do also know about other cultures, beliefs and stuff like that, because I, I grew up. Um, with other cultures and, and their beliefs and so forth. And I've always found it fascinating how um, death is always viewed differently from one culture to the other, to the other, to the other. And how it's and and their funerals, you know, you said that you were, you know, you do funerals and how they do their funerals differently and how some really celebrate it. And yet, when it comes to people who are, you know, white, like like our, every funeral that I've ever attended to that was white, I was so bored out of my gorg. I thought, well, why in the world do we even do this? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because we're not, the point to me of, of a funeral is to celebrate the life and, instead of being bored with it. It's like why just bury the damn person and get it over with is the way I always had looked at it when when it was you know when I was a kid because I was always so bored with it um but other other cultures have actually had a celebrated it and, and had a real good time expressing this person's life and it was just really different so I was kind of interested in that yeah every culture around the world is very different I know like with a lot of Taoists, and there's two sets of Taoists. There's the philosophical Tao, but there's mm -hmm. also the hardcore religious Tao, which is like where the, the magic and the elixirs of eternal life and things happen. And in that kind of Taoism, the whole funeral ceremony is, a, is like a bodyguard protection moment because when you're dead, before you can be laid in the ground, um, you're vulnerable. Like your soul is vulnerable until the complete ceremony is over. So what they do is during the procession, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of singing, dancing, discordant music, because that whole time that has to play so as to keep the ghosts away, to keep your soul. Th so there's always people dancing and going and having times and just doing things, but they're protecting it. It's like, oh, all this noise. You know, like when you see an animal, you try to be really big, like, wow, a lot of noise. It's that kind of thing, but like in a very community way, like we're big, our energy's together and we're having a good time and we're greater than you. Yeah, it's it's that whole thing, but it's wonderful when that happens, and it's 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 rarely seen anywhere else, and it's it, it's just one of the many interesting ones that happen around the world, and even like there's a lot of places, like especially um, with the Aztec culture, they have they have one of the beliefs where everything's predestined as to where you go is where you how how you die determines where you go in the afterlife, and the, really you can only go to the good place. 
Um, if, if you're a man, you can only go to a good place if you die in battle. And if you, if, of course, that's the socio part of, well, then you have to constantly be at war. That just produces more soldiers. You know, you want to go to heaven, don't you? Die as a soldier, get into another war. Um, but, you know, women can go into it by dying in childbirth. That was the the biggest, you know, quote unquote honor, because it, which again serves that other purpose of you need to have more kids. You need to have, produce more babies. You should constantly be producing babies because that increases your chances to go to heaven. Yeah, it, that interesting thing. But what I found really interesting that the Aztec society had was, well, what if, what if someone is born with, you know, an intellectual disability or a physical disability where they cannot have children or they are not capable of going to war and battle? What happens to them? And to the Aztecs, they automatically get a free pass into heaven because they understood that all oh, these people can't do that. But we're not going to damn them forever to like a horrible afterlife. You can automatically go. You're born, you know, quote unquote, wrong or different. Heaven, don't worry. Not your fault. I thought that was really interesting because so few do that. Our culture uh, tends to to do the exact opposite. Any Anything that's that's not mainstream, that's not predominant, uh, is automatically damned. Uh, I like that other uh, way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And even like in Viking cultures with their death, they had a very similar attitude towards um, death in the afterlife as the, um, the Aztecs. And one thing that they found uh, in archaeological studies was that a lot of, because the, the, this, is, this is the biggest quandary of being a wonderful Viking warrior. If dying in battle is the ultimate way to get to Valhalla or, you know, the, you know, the good place. What if you are the best warrior ever? What if you are never defeated in battle? What if you are win, 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 when you're the best? Well, you can only really go to a good place if you lose. So how does that happen? And you can't purposely lose because that's cheating and they know that. So what happens? So what a lot of really good warriors did was upon their deathbed or if they felt it coming, um, they would kind of start in, inducing like axe wounds on themselves to try and fool um, all the psychopomps and the Valkyries that, oh, look, this is from an old battle wound. That's what caused this. That's what happened. It's just acting up again. You know, I survived it, but it was from that one battle. That's what got me. And so you see a lot of evidence of like hard into the bone stuff that we can still track. And it because they need they need to, quote unquote, lose in a certain way because they were too good. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 interesting. It's it's so fascinating. All the different ways uh, people believed around the world and and still do. I mean, this the way we do it in the U.S. is very bizarre, embalming. Other nations nowadays don't even do that. That's that's such an American thing. So it's it's strange. What we, what we do is very strange to the rest of the world. So pump pump a body full of carcinogenic chemicals into to so it can be preserved in a quote unquote sleep like state underground for all eternity. Some people think that's really weird. Some people think that's so bizarre. Why? But to us, it's so normal. Why wouldn't you? It's, it's that it's just where you are and how you see the world and how you're brought up. Well, I always kind of thought that was weird, too, because aren't you supposed to be, you know, returning to the earth? And um, I mean, I, I, I never understood. Number one, I never understood why you were buried in the first place. That's the first thing I never understood. Why Why don't you just be cremated? Um, <laughs> because you're taking up land, basically. And 
I mean, this was my thoughts as a child. We're all going to die eventually, so we're going to run out of land eventually. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Right? South and we're Korea running out of land now. Yeah. Right? And and if you're preserving yourself, why are you preserving a shell if, you're, if your spirit is walking around or going to wherever, at the time, heaven? Um, so if it's in heaven, why do you need a physical body? Um well, the answer is marketing. Child that used to um, drive the um, priest crazy because I used to ask too many questions. Uh, um, so I was one of those. <laughs> it's yeah. It's I, I'm personally not of the embalming camp, but and I, I used to be like very against embalming. Very like, why would you do that? Because there, there's problems in Ireland where after years and years of embalming, because you still decay. I mean, it doesn't preserve you forever that all those toxic chemicals are leaking into the groundwater supplies and like poisoning the environment. So I was like, well, why would you even do that? The best case for embalming that I've ever come across was, um, and it's a reason, it's a cultural reason of why a lot of, um, not everyone, but a lot of the African-American and black communities do it because especially back, you know, in the Jim Crow era, um, their bodies were treated as things and, you know, there'd be lynchings, there'd be bad things happening. There'd be brutal attacks where you leave, you're left disfigured. And so embalming restored them to a way that their family could see them once again, gave them a sort of dignity, gave them a sort of sense of peace rather than seeing it in the newspaper, you know, hanging from a magnolia tree. So it, it gives that sense of relief. And, um, cause you know, the, the it's a quote i can't remember who said it but like the free man fears death because you know they lose so much of life but you know the quote-unquote slave um just loses his suffering loses his pain and so that's why you have a lot of gospel music how great heaven is or how wonderful it'll be when we die because life for a lot of enslaved people was hell so it was the magical place it was wonderful and to especially embalm it to show that this body has worth it is worth preserving it is worth seeing again it was that it was very empowering to the black African-American community. So that was when I was just like, OK, I could see that. It's true. Well, thank you so much for being on with us. And where can our subscribers or our audience reach you? Um, Tomas Prower on all the socials. I have a website, www.tomasprower.com. Tomas Prower on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Not on TikTok. Do not look for me on TikTok, but just Google Tomas Brower and you'll find me. All right. Well, that's all for our show today. So join us next time when Saul and I will be chatting with David Shi. So embrace your power, support your community, and keep your fuzzy babies, your family, friends, and yourself safe and have an absolute magical week. You have been listening to Witch Hat Chats. Host, Miss Nikki Kirby. Co-host, Saul Ravencraft. Guest host, Thomas Prower. Executive producer, Nikki Kirby. Producer, Saul Ravencraft. Video editors. Magical Myth Entertainment, Myth Made Productions, Witch Hat Chats theme song, The Middle Witch by Serena Janini. 
Magical Myths Entertainment. Myth Made Productions. Sponsored by Ever Moving Rewrite. Moonlight Places and Charms. Texas Mojo Man. Copyrighted 2020 through 2022 by Nikki Kirby and Witch Hat Chats. Trademark All Rights Reserved. All material of Witch Hat Chats is a trademark of Nikki Kirby and Magical Myth Entertainment. This podcast is for information only and is not an offering of sale to any security of Witch Hat Chats trademark or its projects or its affiliates. All video, audio, and music are the property of Nikki Kirby and Witch Hat Chats trademark and may not be disclosed, distributed, or reproduced without the express written permission of Nikki Kirby and Witch Hat Chats trademark.